0: Welcome to the Pure Podcast, this is Jerry Pitney, and today I am joined by Clifton Garmer. Clifton, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me to be here. I've really been looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, likewise. I think you might be the first uh, brother, brother combo. Obviously, we had Steve. Oh, yeah. And uh, Yeah. yeah, so now it's good to be able to to have you here and we brought you on specifically to talk about sports cards. I know you've had a passion for them. Uh, You've had your own, uh, you know, business where you have been buying selling for years and years and years. Now there's a lot of great stories and questions I have about that. But first off, I I just want to ask, I know you're from here in this area, right? But I don't know a whole lot about your life. So tell me um, what was life like for you growing up in Paragold, Arkansas?
1: It was pretty awesome. Uh, I tell people all the time that I would never change anything about my childhood. I grew right up over here on North 7th Street, my brother and I. I think we moved in that house in 1964. You know, those were all new cookie cutters back then, all Mm -hmm. those houses. And, uh, you know, uh, being new, lots of kids. You know, we walked to Woodrow Wilson, you know, and the parents didn't have to worry about anything. There'd always be five, six, seven, eight boys walking, maybe a girl or two, you know. Mm. And uh, you had older kids and you had younger kids, and yeah, it was a great place to grow up over on the north North Seventh Street. And then you had Seventh and a Half, and Eighth, and Ninth, and Ninth and a Half, and Tenth, and all the way all the way over to the bypass.
0: You you were running with uh, Barry Davis was one of those guys, right? Barry Davis. Barry's come on the uh, Mm -hmm. podcast before. He talks about it almost as if like what the movie The Sandlot uh felt like is that true or am I kind of romanticizing that a little bit no
1: it's very true I have made the comment uh several times that when I first saw the movie Sandlot that I was a little irritated I thought well I just got robbed because I should have wrote that movie <laughs> <laughs> uh and made all that money and and that is about one of my favorite movies because it does reflect my childhood and um, you know Barry would would agree that we were always uh, playing some type of ball. Hmm. Uh, Our backyard was perfect, and that's where most of the games took place was in our backyard. Now, you drive by there today, you look at that backyard and the neighbor's yard, there was no trees or bushes. There was no outside central heat and air units. You had window units back then, Mm -hmm. and and you had a TV antenna, and you, I think, got four channels, three, five, eight, and 13. (laughs) And so we spent most of our time outside yeah. and those two yards connected. And then there was a street that divided the 500 block and the 600 block. And the street was the home run. And so, um, we played back there in that backyard cause we had those two connecting backyards with nothing to interfere mm-hmm. us except the brick wall of the house. Mm-hmm. And, um, a matter of fact, one time, uh, my mom and dad would take, my brother and I to a Cardinal game every year, but we always had to wait till after all-stars cause Steve and I always made all-stars and that got on up into August.
0: And y'all are how far apart by the way, you and Steve? Uh,
1: almost three years. Okay. Yeah. And two grades, but three years, like yeah. I yeah. was, uh, two years and 10 months older than him. And, um, so anyway, uh, we'd been to a Cardinal game and, uh, so we get back home, and I get this crazy idea <laughs> one day. Barry was with me. I mean, Barry came. Barry, and I always came up with the creative ideas, you know. <laughs> and uh, I took the the wheels off of the lawnmower. Oh no! And uh, cut a perfect diamond. Uh, right? I mean, right down to the dirt. And even did the little on deck circles, you know, with the mower. Man. And uh, boy, my dad got home. He was not happy that we had <laughs> chopped up that
0: backyard. And uh, but it looked
1: like a really good diamond. Everything oh, else was pretty, that was pretty green. creative, man. <laughs> you gotta get some credit for that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Who was the best athlete that came out of that group that played uh in that yard? Uh my brother
1: was pretty good, which we pushed him, you know, him being little. You know.
0: Man, see, I can't ever imagine that he was ever little. Like in my mind, he was just always Y'all, are, I mean, y'all are a big, strong family. That's like he's always been big, in my mind.
1: Yeah, you know he he come out pretty, you know, pretty tough. When you get beat up every day, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. uh, Barry ended up being a very good basketball player. Went uh, went to college uh, on, on basketball uh, at Arkansas Battles, which is now Lions.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, I went and played baseball. My brother went and played football. I mean, there was a lot of. Really good talent around there. You know, there there was others that were really good um that didn't go play college sports. I mean, once they left high school that you know, they didn't play anymore. But Tommy Shoemaker, one of my real good friend Barry and I a real good friend. Huh. own Shoemakers the... yeah. Uh what did he play? Was Tommy he... was a three sports star. I did not know that. Baseball, football, basketball. Yeah. Huh. Mhm. Tommy was a really, really good athlete. Um, he had um I'm trying to think, just on just in, in on that street in that area. Alan Jenkins was a good good uh, athlete, you know. So were uh, y'all playing? Um, were there
0: city was, was Bland Park? Was that the or that was that? Bland Park
1: idea? was not open until I turned 13 years old. And
0: you probably thought that was like a big. Well, huge deal.
1: I w- actually uh, I was disappointed, uh, and I'll tell you why my disappointment set in. I, I started out being a bat boy. At at like five years old, you know, back in those days, you didn't have T ball and coaches pitch, and you sure you did not start playing baseball till nine years old.
0: Okay,
1: and and uh, the two parks were at Labor Day, yeah. and you had the park out by the highway. Only two, only two. Those though the the park closest to the street was the American League park. That's where you played your first year. Okay, and then there was a street between them. And then the park on the other side of the street that faced all the homes, uh, that was the National League park. So you had to play your 9-year-old year in American League, and then you could be drafted as a 10-year-old. Some did, some didn't. And then you played 10, 11, or 12, uh, or 11 and 12, or maybe just 12. You might not even get drafted until you're 12. You may not be that good, okay? But the athletes were so good back then that my 12-year-old year, year, they put a net up that extended from the foul pole all the way to the top of the lap poles all the way around the center field, past center field actually, because there was a little lady that lived across the street, and every time someone hit a home run, which was every night there were two, three, four, five home runs hit, um, she would run off of her front porch, grab the baseball, and run back in the house with it. She wouldn't give it back. And I heard that when she passed away, there was like five five gallon buckets of (laughs) baseballs in there. That's a great story. But but really, I mean, that's true story. I mean, they put that net up because it was costing the league money. And so the the I remember hitting one my twelve year old year, and the baseball hit halfway up the net, and it rolled down to the bottom, and then they threw it in, and then I got to take it home, and and I still remember that, you know. But man, I seen guys hit baseballs. Out in parks all the time. Yeah, you dad, don't see that now.
0: How, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking,
1: uh sixty three. I'll be sixty four okay, so this yeah, you're year.
0: You're younger than my, You're quite a bit younger my my dad. um But you know, my dad he played on the team with Larry Amore. I don't know if you oh, that name. He, so,
1: oh yeah, listen. um Larry was my idol as a little boy. Uh, I was a bat boy, and I think it was Arnold's ju- Arnold's jewelry. And my dad and Cecil Gray, and I think one other gentleman was the coach for that team. And I was like five years old, maybe six. But those guys played when you left at 12, you played over here at Baldwin next where the playground's at next to Baldwin school. And that was the Baldwin park. And that was that old park that had the the top around the grandstands and you walked in, you know, went through a not a turnstile, but kind of like a tunnel. And, and I mean, it was the cool old looking ballpark, Man, you know, stinks
0: that they got tore up by a tornado, I think. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, well, no, hang on. Let me, the school did. Okay. But anyway, that school was three stories tall.
0: Hmm.
1: If I remember right, the one that got hit by the tornado and it, it, it kind of was like Camden Yards where the Baltimore Orioles play. You had that background oh, man. okay, in, wow. in the in the right field area.
0: In the same location that it's at now. I
1: seen Larry Elmore hit one on top of that school. When he was how old? Oh, he had to be 15, 16, 17. I heard he had
0: incredible power. My dad uh, has a claim to fame. Richard Brummett shared it on Facebook, I guess, last year. Was it JC's Is that right? Was that a team back then, J yeah Prom- Anyway, they won. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The uh, yeah, they sponsored the J.C.'s rodeo.
0: Okay, yeah. And if they if they won, I guess in that that was
1: an organization.
0: Okay. Well, if they won, uh, whatever the little tournament was, there in the city, the winning team got to go to a Cardinals game.
1: Oh, they did that every year. My ten year old year. We won the league championship, and that was my actually my very first St. Louis Cardinal game. How
0: cool is that, man? Yeah.
1: And um, they, uh, the team, the winning team from the American League, and the winning team from the National League, got to take a trip to St. Louis, and it was up there and back. Sure. So you didn't get home till 12, 1 o'clock, two o'clock in the like morning. The old, uh, but you didn't man. care as a kid, okay? And I, I still, I still recall walking into that Busch Stadium, Busch stadium two for the first time ever and smelling the popcorn Mm -hmm. and hearing the sounds and I didn't, you know, I'm 10 years old, smelling the beer. I mean, you know, sure. and then as soon as we were heading to our seats, now we were way up in the nosebleed section. Uh, but when you walk through that tunnel and you look down and you see that beautiful, beautiful green, Okay, and that
0: was Astroturf, that was astroturf back, type, then, yeah, yeah. back so then. Like 120 degrees on the yeah, field Oh, yeah, or yeah.
1: But they played the San Francisco Giants that day, and I had the opportunity to watch Willie Mays play, Willie McCovey play, Bob Gibson pitched. Hmm. Uh, all my all my backyard childhood heroes, you know, because when you're a kid playing out in the yard, you're always throwing out a name. I'm Willie Mays, or I'm you know, when you come up to bat, or you're. Barry and I played basketball one-on-one all the time, and I told people that I'm the reason he got a scholarship to play basketball because he used to beat the heck out of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a lot of great athletes. So sports was obviously a big part of your life. When did you graduate from Paraguay, right? I did. Were you all Bulldogs? Bulldogs. What year?
1: I graduated in 1978.
0: 1978. Did you have some good teams, I can?
1: We've, we did.
0: Basketball, Where? baseball, football, what was your – Well, we didn't
1: have baseball. Oh, Okay. Paragol didn't adopt baseball until they consolidated with Oak Grove. I did not know that. Now, was,
0: that was when, like that in was that. in
1: '86. Okay. See, Oak Grove had baseball, but we lobbied. Oak,
0: Gray, Oak Grove had baseball. and Paragol didn't. That's correct. And Oak Grove was a much smaller school, right?
1: Well, I'll explain why we were a big football school. Football was huge. Uh, matter of when fact, you
0: say football was huge. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, in '75 and '76, we went ten and zero and ten and zero and lost Were you playing then? Uh-huh. And lo- lost lost the first round of the playoffs uh both years to Stuttgart. Mm. But you don't both. like
0: going to Stuttgart.
1: Well, they came here the second time, so but anyway, we got
0: What uh who did y'all have back then that was amazing?
1: Oh my goodness. Uh well, I see the 75 team, Jay Morgan, um Billy Fisher. Bill oh, Fisher. He was running back, right? Oh yeah. I heard good things about him. Um, I, I can't think. Uh, oh, JD, Stevenson. Used, JD be the, Stevenson used to be the chief. What did he player. do? I think he was a lineman. Okay, yeah. Uh, you had uh, Paul Wheeler, uh, Jan, Jan Wheeler's husband that passed away a few years yeah. ago. Uh, Todd Dudley, uh, Neil, Langley, uh, Billy, Neil Ainley, Billy Neil Billy Williams. Uh, I'm just trying to think of people: Barry, Thomas Schumacher, Barry Davis, Steve Johnson, Alan Jenkins. Uh, my goodness! I wow, mean, you know, ten and zero. All those guys were older than me, by the way. Just a year. Did or two, you have or three. good crowds back then? Oh yeah, packed. Is that man? Harmon Playfield was a yeah. place to be on Friday night back then. That place was packed and rocking and rolling. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. And they used to have parades. You know, you had your homecoming parade, and it came right down Pruitt Street here, where we're sitting right now. And all the businesses were, it was like a Christmas parade. You know what a Christmas parade is like? Paragool football. Homecoming parade was just like it.
0: A homecoming parade.
1: Homecoming parade. The queen sat in the Corvette, and she'd have two escorts, one on each side of her, and then you'd have all the bridesmaids sitting in convertibles, and it was a big deal.
0: man. It's uh, Woodrow
1: Wilson. Yeah. The schools would get out. The Catholic school, Woodrow Wilson, would get out. Baldwin would get out, and as we would all drive by, uh, all the kids would be sitting on the sidewalk cheering and yelling, and everybody'd have their bulldog flags. And you wore your jersey to school that day? Oh yeah, know. yeah. You had the big pep rally. I mean, yeah, it was big time. These kids don't know what they miss, what they're missing oh, nowadays. Man.
0: It's such a different world.
1: Oh, it's different.
0: You know, my uh, my brother in law coaches baseball and uh, at marmaduke he's a, and he was just saying it's hard to get kids even to turn out now because there's just so many things vying for their attention you know or, or, or and so it's like you're getting out of school if you get out of school it's a, a one o'clock because you're a senior uh-huh. you don't even want to play anymore it's just like why would i want to stick around and and play you know and it's just because again you there's just so many other things you can do and that's just just a completely different world completely different mindset. well
1: you know and I, we talk about this all the time at where i work at the car dealership and um yeah, these kids, and, and you got to remember, Sanja. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's a coach at Paragool. She yeah. she comes home and complains to me. I'm her right ear, you know. Yes. And uh, sometimes, sometimes I, I don't want to be. And
0: <laughs> she goes to complain oh, I, to Alonzo or somebody I, else. I, I get chewed out, you know. But
1: <laughs> but you know, I mean, she she deals with that. All these coaches do, you know. The, they don't. These kids don't have the drive or the desire to want to win. What to do you think play? that is? Uh, they're not outside. They have not what you said a minute ago. They have too many other things in front of them that they want to do. Um, so when you, you know, when you slice that pipe so many times, I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, you know, back, back, I told you back when I was young, we had four channels. Uh, we didn't have ESPN. I, I do remember when cable vision came to our house. I do remember it, but we didn't have it for years. And we didn't have PlayStations and Nintendos. There was nothing for us to want to stay inside. We wanted to be outside even if it rained. We were trying to figure out a way to to build a raft and float down Eight Mile Creek if it came a flood. I mean,
0: that just produces, you think, a level of grittiness that maybe you can't get whenever you're inside all the time?
1: Oh, yeah, because, you, uh, you know, there were... 16 17 boys just right there on a street or two that i grew up with and i remember playing sandlot baseball behind westview baptist church at starting at five and six years old and like i said you didn't play organized ball till you became nine and so you're playing against kids that are three and four and five and six years older than you number one and um they usually did the the choosing of their team. And if you weren't very good, you got to sit on the ditch bank. Well, I can tell you if my you brother. did get was, a
0: participation trophy? No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> I can tell you if my brother was sitting here, he would agree, but we didn't like sitting on the ditch bank. Uh, so you, you got out there and got your nose bloodied, and you got a fat lip, and you took a ground ball in the chest, and you didn't cry. And that older kid said, man, he's tough. I like him. You know, And then they pick you next time. You wow. know. And that's, that's, and then when you got to nine years old, you're ready to play. Yeah. You know, you, uh, I tell you a story. (laughs) I started writing a memoir, uh, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And I'm like at chapter five and I'm about 12 years old, but I titled it family, friends and baseball Mm. because baseball creates tons of lifetime friends, the game of baseball. Um, and cause I still have tons of friends that I played with that we still stay in touch. And, um, so, uh, uh, when I was 10, we only lost two games that year, but one of them that we lost was on a Saturday. It was a makeup game and we had run out of pitching and I was playing second base. And so we're getting down to the last inning and this team's beating us and Sonny Hampton, who was our coach and Roy uh, Thompson was my other coach. Uh, Sonny calls or Roy calls timeout and he come walking out there and he tells Perry Lashley to take his catching gear off and he's going to finish the game pitching and, and Perry very rarely ever pitched and uh, he said he looked at me he said Garmouth he said uh, can you catch well I'd never been behind the plate uh-huh. in my life and so I said yes sir because I didn't want to come out of the game and so i start putting on all the gear and, you know it's huge i mean oh, the chest protector's sure. hanging down about to my knees and these big shin guards and i look up in the stands and my mama is not happy she is shaking her head like what is my yeah. little boy doing you know and uh so anyway i start to home plate after i got dressed to take a few pitches and and coach hampton coach sonny calls me down there and he says hey he says uh put this on and I didn't know what it was <laughs> <laughs> and I said what is this he said just slide it down there and, <laughs> you know and and he says protect your uh protect yourself and I said okay so I did and so anyway I go I waddle back up to home plate and I get down behind home plate and Perry throws his five warm-up pitches and um, buyer says play ball and he puts his hand on my back and i'm all squatted down this big boy come up and he make he takes a couple of cuts and i said come on perry throw it in here baby you know i'm talking to and you, you know, i'm doing the humbug stuff you know and perry threw the baseball and the batter swung and i must have shut my eyes oh no and the batter missed the ball and it hit right where that cup was at <laughs> and i went face down on home plate oh <laughs> that was the end of my catching career. Your friend's career. Laugh. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, hey, oh, my hilarious. mother was very, very upset. But, yeah, <laughs> that, that was uh, the end of my catching career.
0: Those are good memories that I could sit and talk forever about. Just the bland park experience, the little experience getting the graveyard drink. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Oh thing, yeah, man. you mix it all up. It oh, people, kids so would good. chase
1: after baseballs and knock you down to get it. Get a they ticket, get man. That, get, That's it. Well, they didn't even give tickets back back in my day. You just the, you just brought the baseball back to the concession stand got and the drink, and the drink came in one of them little Dr Pepper uh, Dr Pepper paper cups. Yes, yeah, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Uh, man, I know that world. So, eventually graduated, and I want I want to get into. How, the the era where you're beginning to, obviously, I, I would assume you've been collecting sports cards at this point your whole life. But at what point did you decide, you know, I want to turn this into a little bit of a business because if I'm not mistaken, I mean, you started, uh, I know now like you're, you're a show promoter, but you started one of the first card shops, not just yes. in Paragold yes. history, but in Arkansas history. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And I'll, I'll share that story with you. Um, So it was 1968 that I started purchasing my Packs of baseball cards and, and growing up on North Seventh street, we had about five grocery stores around. We we could ride our bicycles to close. One of them was right. The most popular one was up on top of hunt Hill called Bob early's. There's some apartments there now, but that was a grocery store. Then right down the street from close to uh, Harmon Playfield, uh, there was a skating rink on the corner. A skating rink. Mm -hmm. And then back this way, uh, there was a grocery store. And I can't remember the name of that, but I remember it had a a front porch on it. And that man and woman actually lived in the back. Hmm. But their business was out in the front. And a lot of people did that back in the day. They they owned their business, but they lived in the back of the building. And the reason I know this because there would be a curtain, a brown curtain that sometimes would be open, and you could see their sofa and their TV on and and their easy chair. And I mean that, that's where they lived. You know, there was an alley that ran back there. But anyway, we would go from store to store, and yeah, we would Sebers, buy our packs. Okay. Yeah, but that was on the other side of town. Okay. We didn't go there unless we couldn't find any packs here. They had
0: Goodmans as well.
1: Goodmans. Mm-hmm. Well, Goodmans uh was not where it's at now. Okay. Th- that uh if I remember correctly, that used to belong to Wayland Smith. That was Smith grocery or Tim Smith would know more than me, but there was a gro- that gro- that was a grocery store at one time. Then it was a liquor store and then this grocery store again, you know, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, um uh, but yeah we rode our bicycles and uh uh my dad would leave a dollar on the table for me and Steve. Like just about every week? Just about every day
0: Oh, okay. for
1: us to get sodas and ice cream water. Because, you know, we were outside all day long. We drank from the water hose. And so uh, that was to buy, you know, a soda pop or uh, an ice cream bar or something throughout the day. Because my mom and dad both worked. And like most parents did, you know. And uh, they didn't worry about us. We were all, all over the neighborhood. And uh, what my dad didn't know was we'd take a dollar and go buy them ball carts.
0: which back then was a dime a pack okay a dime a pack and who was making just
1: tops tops was only one Mm -hmm. and uh 70 was probably 1970 was probably the big year that i really got heavy into it i had a ton of 70s but on rainy days we'd sit there in the living room and we would we'd trade you know maybe two for one three for one you know you might want my lou brock well i want your Willie mays but i'm gonna get two more cards for my brock or my may or whatever okay and and we played games. there's another. Barry created. Mm-hmm. Barry Davis he created a game. Podcast, he sure yeah. did. He created a game. He came down to I'll never forget. He came down to the house one day, he said, Clifton, he said, I got a new game we're going to. He said, put our lineups together and he said, I got this deck of cards and Ace was a home run and the king was a triple and and we we kept up with everything on paper, just like a real score score sheet, you know. And and then John Digley I, I had a stratomatic baseball game and anyone that's listening if you want to google or go to ebay and look up Stradomatic. um and we played that down there at john's house one day and i fell in love with the game and my mom bought me one for christmas i still have mine the boxes wore out but Stradomatic matic it, it uh you you would get each team all the major league teams and back then there were 24 and uh so there it is right there, Stratomatic. Yep. And so when I, so like, I think I got my first Straddlematic in 71, Christmas of 71. So all the stats on the 71 cards were from the 70 season.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so if you were a big home run hitter like Hank Aaron, there might be a few spots on there that had, home, had HR, had home run on there. But you had columns one, two, and three. And then on the back, you had columns four, five, and six and then it went down to 12 okay, in each column. And you had you had some dice, and the white dice was the one through six column and the two red dice you would add together, and that was what you would be. Then you had little base runners, and you had – I mean, it's, it's cool. It's
2: right up your alley, Chris. And He it even says that if uh, the opposing pitcher, I would assume the your guy you're playing against, uh, is left-handed, you're on the blue card. If they're right-handed, that's correct. you're
1: on the ra- red card. That's correct. You still play that game? No, but you I still You gotta get have... it, man. You gotta get it. Get it out Well you know, Let's when I live, when I lived in North when I lived in Springdale a few years ago, uh, I met a gentleman up there and we, and me and him he he was he became like a grandfather to me. He kinda adopted me and took me in. But he owned a ball card shop. That's how me and him hit it off.
0: Mm.
1: And um uh they they had a stratomatic league up there. Excellent. There I would I, I got invited, I never did play in it, but I'd go watch and there would be 12 groups of men sitting around playing this game in this one big room. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, you're like, I'm in heaven. Yeah, I mean, I did this when I was 10, 11, 12 years, That's 13 really years cool. old, you know. That's really cool. And,
0: I, I want to I find a day where you, meet Chris, and, and Barry Davis sit around and play some kind of math.
1: Well, Barry and I – but John Digley uh, 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 introduced that game to me and Barry and all of us. You know, John lived right behind Barry. And, uh, so anyway, yeah, that's, that's how I came up with Stratomatic and, and they well,
0: still, did, they still make that. They do. Yeah, yeah they I do don't have to get one for the office. Yeah. Um, so how did you get from this being a hobby to being a business? Like, I want to know, like, how did you even get the idea to start a shop? Like, there's nothing around here that's doing that. So, like, where were you like, Hey, I can make it some money doing this.
1: Well, I was going to college in St. Louis. And when I wasn't on the baseball field or in the classroom, I was, uh, Heading to a ball card shop. There was five or six of them up okay. in St. Louis back in those days. 79, 80, 81. And uh, I bought my first Babe Ruth card in a card shop. Had a crease up in the top right-hand corner. Paid $100 for it. And that was a lot of money for a college kid back then. It's a lot of money. And uh, But I sold it many years later for a whole lot more. What would you get uh, for it? Uh a whole lot more (laughs) (laughs) and uh but anyway uh so what what happened was it was my second year i think uh there was a young man that approached me at my dorm room and he walked up to me and he said hey cliff he said um i hear you collect baseball cards and i said yeah i do and he says, well, he said, um, I just inherited a bunch, and I don't know anything about them, and I don't even want them. And he said, my neighbor left them to me. He said, if I have them shipped here, would you be interested in possibly buying them? And I said, yeah, yeah, I would. So two or three weeks goes by, and I see him in the hallway, and I had a room to myself. Uh, I was one of the very few that had a a room to myself, and so – he yelled at me and he said, Hey, I got my cards in, come down here and look. So I went down there well, he had taken, you know what a chicken box is? It's mm-hmm. a pretty good sized box. And okay. it's, 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 um, uh, uh, got wax on the inside of the okay. box. It's what chicken comes in okay. and they're huge. They're real thick and sturdy and they have handles on them. Okay. okay. Well, he had seven chicken boxes. And they were all stacked up, nice and neat. And he had taken a lot of them out and laid them against the base wood, uh, the the base of the floor, you know. And they were probably two feet high each stack. And and I'll never forget the first ones that I seen when I walked in the room were nineteen fifty sevens, and I had never owned any nineteen fifty sevens. And they were in numerical order, and I so I just picked up a handful on that first stack. And the first six cards were Ted Williams number card Jeez. number one. I mean, there were lots of duplicates, and so I looked through them, and they looked like they just come out of the wrapper. I mean, they were beautiful. They were nice. They they were not beat up. And so I said, "Well, how much you want for these?" And he says, "Well," he said, um, "He said I want three thousand dollars." I said, "Hmm." I said, "Would you give me a few weeks if I can come up with the money?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "You won't sell them?" He said, "No." See, I've been going to these card shops, so I was seeing prices, and I was wheeling and dealing, an and I doing? had an idea. But I also, my mind went off, and I had this great idea. If I can buy all these, I know what I'm going to do. So I go home the next weekend, and I don't go to my mom and dad. I drive straight out to Center Hill to my grandpa and grandma's ceramic shop. It's about 5 o'clock, four thirty, five o'clock in the evening on a Friday. I got home early. And I walked in, and I go back. My grandpa and I were real close, and I walked back there, and he was happy to see me. I said, Grandpa, I need to ask you a question. Can I borrow $3,000? <laughs> well, he retired from General Motors, and he still had his first dollar, and he looked at me and, and grew up poor in uh, depression times, you know, and says, for what? And I said, well, I want to buy some baseball cards. And if you'll help me buy them, And let me have your boxed-in carport that you don't have nothing in. I'm going to put in a baseball card shop this summer when I come home from school. I said, I'll have you paid back before I go back to school in August. Well, I tell you what. You come out and eat dinner with me and your grandma tomorrow evening. We'll talk about it. I said, okay. So the next day on Saturday, I went out there, and nothing was ever said at the dinner table, and we were just enjoying the company and talking. And Grandma was asking me all kinds of questions about school. Finally, we go in the living room, and he says, "Pauline," he said, "Clifton has something he wants to ask you." And so I said, "Grandma, I want to know can I borrow three thousand dollars?" Well, Lord have mercy, <laughs> <laughs> I can still hear her saying that, and uh, she said, "For what?" And I told her and. She looked over at my grandpa. She said, well, John, what do you think? And they kind of eyeballed one another. I guess they were talking through their eyes. Sure, no. yeah, yeah. He says, well, I think it'll be fine. He says he'll pay us back before he goes back to school. Wow. So my grandfather gets up and goes and gets $3,000 out of his safe hmm. back there in the back bedroom. Wow. That was in the closet he had, his safe was. And so um, he comes out and hands it to me, and uh, he looked at me says i better get this back i said yes sir you're gonna get it back boy i couldn't drive fast enough back to st louis oh, that Sunday bet, afternoon. I, bet. I walked in there and i walked in that boy's room and i said zim i said zim all my cards he said yeah i said count you three thousand mm-hmm. dollars and he counted it out and i said these are mine and i took them to my room and man i really examined them now you got to remember this is a 1965 mickey Mouse right here that this this card today sells for five six hundred dollars that card back then in that stack May have been twenty five dollars. That's the difference between then and now. Okay, so anyway, um, I bring them back. It just so happened when I get out of school, my, I come home preparing to do this ball card job. Yes, and my grandfather's put green ash turf down in that double wide garage. Are grudge. you serious? I'm serious. He had totally me, surprised I, you with it. Totally surprised me with it. But now That's I don't have. But cool. now I don't have no glass showcases. I don't have. I don't have no showcases. But Leif's General Store was going out of business up in Leif. And my grandfather and I drove up there that Saturday morning, went to that auction. And I bought five antique glass showcases for a little nothing. Wow. I mean, one of them was eight foot long.
0: Just kind of fell in your lap.
1: Just fell in my lap. And we hauled them back, took two trips. We hauled them back. They were heavy, man. And we, we lined them up in there. My grandfather helped me build some shelves, and boom, I'm in business. I ran a few ads in the Paragl Daily Press. And these kids are coming by out of the neighborhood left and right. Really? I still see some of them till this day. And they said, You know what? You took all my money when I was a kid because I spent <laughs> every bit of it in your ball card shop.
0: How long did it take you to pay your grandpa back?
1: Uh, six weeks. Wow. So, so um, you were able to pay him back before you went back to? Oh, yeah. I paid him back halfway through the summer. My, my, my grandma and grandpa was like, wow. You know, I mean, I had every penny paid back. And then these kids were, um, bringing in, I didn't know what I, my, my grandfather's one not noticed it. Um, these kids were bringing in uh, silver certificates and and old silver half dollars. And I guess they were robbing their daddy's banks. I don't know, but, <laughs> but they would buy these cards and they'd give me this old money and I just put it in my cash register. Well, my grandfather seen it one day, and he said, "Hey, give me that old money; I'll exchange it with you." So he'd give me new money for the old money. When my grandfather died in 1990, my grandmother gave me a big old sack of that old money back that I traded with my grandfather. That's cool. So I actually got it twice. Still have it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, you still that, have
0: any cards from that that original lot? You oh bought? no, they're no. all gone. You saw all? Well. Yeah.
1: So uh, that was in that was in 1979, summer of '79. Uh so I started I started doing that. Then I started going to I went to my first show. The first show I ever went to was in St. Louis and Bob Feller was there signing autographs. Uh and it was probably for five dollars. Probably wasn't for much back in those days. I remember a lot of the guys were just I would send stuff in the mail to to players. Um a baseball or, or a, a, a photo, 8 or 10 photos. i I never sent a card to get autographed, and I'll tell, you that, I'll tell you why I believe in that, okay? You know, I, I'm talking about a baseball card. Um, so I'd send a, a photo or a baseball, and I would always put the return postage in there so they didn't have to spend no money. And I'd write them a nice little letter. Well, a lot of those old-timers, like uh, I remember Joe Sewell, uh, played for the New York Yankees, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but he lived in tuscaloosa alabama when i got my baseball back from him in the same box he even wrote at the bottom of my letter dear clifton thank you for remembering me joe sewell wow i still have addresses my mother bought me an address book
0: Isn't that weird
1: had everybody everybody that ever played the big leagues was in there and if they were deceased then they uh had a d beside their name i can't
0: believe something existed
1: I don't know if it does now, but back then it did. My mother bought me one. It was it was about that thick. It had everybody. Mm. Uh, this guy right here, Mar- uh, Marlon Stewart, he was in there. He's from Paragool. I used to haul hay for him. Marlon Stewart. Yeah. That's a cool card. Yeah. From Paragool. Yeah. It's got Paragool, Arkansas on the back of the card.
0: You want to sell it to me? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I thought I I'll find you one. Really? Yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to have one. Yeah, that's my. I've first got a. I've one. got a Randy Rogers uh, baseball card. I do too. Should do you have one?
1: Randy called me the other night. Yeah, Randy. Randy and I are, are big buddies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: I've got Randy's card sitting in my office right now. Yeah, mint condition. Oh, yeah. I didn't say it's You say it's not mint. When <laughs> so you started? A, eventually, you started a store though, a shop. Like was it?
1: That was a shop in '79. Yeah. Then in 1983, I was scared to death. I, actually, I, I absolutely scared to death. I decided I wanted to promote. And so I had become, uh, let, let me back up a little bit because the first show that I ever went to, I was 16 years old and my baseball coach, we were practicing one day out there at Bland Park and, uh, he, he was a big Yankee fan and he's deceased now. And, and I thought the world of him and, um, but he walked up to me and he said, Clifton, have you ever been to a baseball card show? And I said, no, sir. He said, well, they have one this Saturday in Memphis. You want to go? I said, sure. So I drove, and and, uh, I picked him up. I drove, and and it was at the uh, uh, Howard Johnson's over on Elvis Presley Boulevard. And I took a little bitty suitcase. It was my mom's, like one of them little makeup suitcases from the 60s. Sure. And I put a bunch of my duplicates in that suitcase, and they were from 68, 69, 70, 71, and stars. And I walked. The, when we walked in this huge ballroom I remember that big chandelier over that over the middle of the ceiling we walked up to the first table and I walked up to the dealer and I opened the suitcase and I said sir I got some cards here I'd like to sell or trade and he was looking through my cards he says man you really have some nice stuff he said you see that guy right over there by the stage and I said yes sir he said his name's Dwight Henry he said go over there and talk to him about these cards so I walked over there and Dwight looked at them and never met Dwight in my life until that moment. And Dwight said, uh, well, he said, you have some really nice stuff here. He said, I think you can get the most money for them if you put them in our auction. We have an auction at 2 o'clock. And we'll auction everything off a card at a time. The auction started at 2. I said, I don't care. Well, at the end of the day, I got my first $480. I'd never had $480. That
0: was what year, did you say?
1: That was in 1975. And so now I'm hooked. You know, I got my first $480, and I walked around and I bought five cards that I had, I had never in my life seen, ever. But I thought, you know, I bought cards and still do because of their beauty. Tell me how pretty that 1953 Satchel Page is.
0: Oh, yeah. Right here?
1: Uh-huh. I own that card because... That's yeah. one of my favorite beautiful cards. Yeah, it's beautiful. It looks, it's beautiful artwork.
0: Love the St. Louis Brown's logo. I never even, yeah. I've never even seen that before. Yeah.
1: It's beautiful artwork. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I bought, I bought those five cards that day on, on the beauty of what they look like. Hmm. Two of them are Roy Campanella's. And, um, I remember the 1952 Bowman. I had, this is a Bowman. So,
0: that's a really pretty card.
1: This this Bowman is not very big, okay, compared to to the tops, okay. And then that uh, there's some cards that are even a little bit bigger than this. Like this is a tall boy in basketball. This Pete Maravich rookie card, okay. But anyway, this card right here is a is a 52 Bowman, and so that 52 maze, I just fell in love with it, and I paid thirty two dollars for it. $32. I'll never, I never forget it. So when I get home that evening and sit down at the dinner table, I'm all excited. I said, Dad, look, man, I made my first $400. And I said, you see these five cards? I bought them today because I, I spent about 80 bucks of my money. I said, you see that, Willie Mays? I paid $32 for that. I thought my dad was going to have a stroke <laughs> because I spent $32 on a piece of cardboard. So uh, he really got mad at me. You know, I can't believe you did that, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, fast forward several years into my card shop, you know, past 1980.
0: Which was where, by the way?
1: Huh? Which was where? where Out was your- in the center here on the corner of Tech and Walcott Road. Okay. I still own a rent house right on that corner. Okay. till this this very day. So, anyway, um, fast forward several years down the road, I sold that card for $2,500 that I paid $32 wow. for.
0: At a show or at your shop?
1: At a show. show, And I told my dad, and uh, my dad started going to Tony's restaurant. And he started. Uh, he'd sit down. and say, "Anybody got any ball cards? My son will buy them." <laughs> you know, he was mad <laughs> at. He was mad at
0: yeah. me. This, He's your biggest fan. Oh, he wanted. was my biggest fan, He's man. Never seen that money, yeah. he did.
1: You know, and it was opportunity. really opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> it was really cool that my dad uh, would uh, would back me like that. You know. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. He started going around town. Hey, anybody got any ball cards? My son will buy them. So,
0: what is your favorite card? Is it here or is it at home? Yeah,
1: I really love the satchel page. I love yeah. that fifty-three set. Everything is artistic about that set. What, uh, what can
0: I buy one of these for? Uh,
1: that card right there would cost you about two grand. Okay, just just like is that. It your is. most expensive card that's here? No, uh, I got a fifty-two Mantle uh, Bowman that I did not bring. Um, I keep it in a very safe spot. Sure, uh, that's about thirty-five hundred dollars. So,
0: how much did you get for it? Did you buy it for that, or did you buy it a long time ago? No,
1: I bought it a while back. Okay. I bought it, I want to say, I bought it for 1500 $1, okay. I don't remember and exactly.
0: Wow, well, you could make that plus a lot more. Oh, yeah. And you're doing these shows. How often are you doing these?
1: Well, uh, you know, COVID came about and kind of disrupted everything, as we all very well yes. know. And uh, I noticed about probably six months into COVID, obviously restaurants were shutting down. Businesses were shutting down. People were losing their jobs, not just around here, but all across America. And I've been a big eBay buyer and seller for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was on eBay when nobody around here knew what eBay was. And I'm telling you the truth. They had a little bitty ad, Mm -hmm. you know, in a magazine. And, um, so anyway, I started noticing, uh, things popping up on eBay that I'm like, whoa, wow and uh so come to find out people that had got out of the hobby back in the late 80s early 90s because of the junk era you know they got burnt out uh like it's so many of them yeah Yeah. uh, they just got sick of the hobby you know it, it became a three ring circus you know and, uh, and then you got, you had grading companies getting involved and, and I, I never was into that till here recently. And it's almost, it's almost a half two case now. And I'll, will t- explain that too. But anyway, um, people started jumping back in and what was going on was they were pulling their cards out of their closet cause they needed money. And all of a sudden the hobby exploded again, it exploded about two years ago, two and a half years ago. And I thought, you know what? This is a good time to start promoting shows again. So I jumped on the bandwagon and started promoting shows and I the first one I did was in November, be two years this coming November, and I had Mark Latell. Mark Lattell was from the Boot Hill. Him and Randy played together. Randy Smith, you mentioned Randy a minute ago. Mark was one of my all time favorite guests. He was there till the last person left. Mm. Very personable hugged and loved on everybody, you know, Talked to everybody. He, he was, he was awesome. And Mark and I stayed in touch with one another. Uh, he wrote, uh, three, three books. I have all three of his books. Uh, he was, a an inventor of, uh, um, the nutty buddy, <laughs> He Googled the nutty buddy.
0: Oh, I know the nutty buddy. Yeah.
1: The, the protection cup. Oh, no. That's yeah, not that nutty buddy. Eat, man. No, I was no, like, no, That's, that's no. a great invention. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's a different the, nutty buddy. Yeah. He's the inventor of that. And, but anyway, um, last year Mark passed away and uh, I had talked to him three days prior to that. He went in for some heart surgery type thing and didn't survive. Jeez. But he was one of my all-time favorite guests. He was my first one. Then my next uh, show, I did um, uh, who? Uh, Rock and Roll Express, Tommy Wildfire, Rich, Doug Gilbert. I'd never, I'd never invited wrestlers to come to do a show. But wow, did they bring a crowd! You Which know, wrestling's you big in? around here. Uh, yeah. And um, I actually
0: used to be a wrestler, but we'll save that for another time. Yeah. And uh, who did you bring in?
1: Tommy Wildfire, Rich, Doug Gilbert, and Rock and Roll Express. And the Rock and Roll Express, campaign. yeah. And they were great guests. They were they were wonderful. Uh, they drew a good crowd. Uh, and then uh, the last show, uh, I had Bill Berge. And uh, Bill lives in Philadelphia, and Bill is probably one of the greatest football players I've ever played at ASU. Played for the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. He played for another team, but he don't like to mention them, so I won't mention them. Uh, the one he was actually drafted by, if you want to know it, Google it, Bill Berge or Wikipedia it, you know, one of the two, <laughs> Find the information. Uh, but he was an awesome guest and, uh, him and his wife, you know, his wife's from, uh, the Goobertown area, you mm-hmm. know? And, uh, so anyway, uh, and then I started having all my shows have been so successful. I had all the dealers start saying, Cliff, you need to do more than two shows. You know, you don't have to do guests, man. Just just do, put the shows on. We love this venue. We love this spot. I mean, you draw a good crowd. I don't, you know, I don't know how you advertise it, but, man, people come out. And I thought, okay, well, in 2023, I'll do six shows a year. And you see my
0: schedule. Here it is. Yep, there it is right there. Yeah, so you've already had one March 4th. Uh-huh. It
1: go well? When, oh, yeah,
0: packed packed room all day long. At the community center. At the community center. So, we've got – we'll have to put these in the show notes. May 6th, June 17th, August 12th. Y'all have that. 7th, November 11th, yeah. Yeah. So, Saturdays, 10 a.m., 4 p.m., all at Paragould Community Center. And what are they going to find there?
1: Uh, They're going to find – 40 tables of uh, 36 to 40 tables. I've kind of reduced the show size. I'm not renting the gym now. I'm, I may be going back into the gym because now I'm getting a waiting list. I got people calling me. wanting to know, can they get my show? I'm talking about dealers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, I might put you on a waiting list, man. I'm sorry. You know, I'm booked out right now. So I may go back into the gym, uh, but um, they walk in. It's free admission, and they can pretty much find anything from a sports card to a Pokemon card to an autograph. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I even had my last show, the one on May May 5th, was May 4th. What was that day?
0: Um, uh, March 4th. Was March 4th. Mar- Mar-
1: a yeah, March 4th. Uh, I even had a coin dealer there. Oh,
0: that's cool.
1: And I'm wanting to do, uh, I'm really wanting to do one of my shows in the fall. Um, I want to rent the whole gym, and I really want to make it a toy a vintage toy oh, that'd be coin cool. yeah. and sports card show. Yeah. So you have a variety, that'd be a lot of fun. So I've been, I've been talking to some folks and making some contacts, you know, cause I don't, I don't know those dealers, you know, when it comes to coins and, but the the guy that sold coins did really good at my show. And he called me, I didn't know that. I didn't know the guy. And he said, can I sell coins? I said, I don't care. This is how much they will are. I don't care what you sell. I didn't know if he'd do good or not, but he did. Wow. So,
0: I um I want to move to some rapid rapid fire questions in just a moment, but a question that I imagine people who are interested in this episode are going to be wondering is, you know, if they have their own cards, uh, what's a reliable way of learning how much their card is worth? Because you know, we talked to a guy right before we came in here. It's like, hey, I've been told my Derek Jeter cards are probably rookie cards are two thousand dollars a piece. And you're like, that's probably not anywhere close to what they're actually worth. Right. So is there a reliable way online? Is there still Beckett's? What you online,
1: online, the most reliable way, and what most people uh, uh, do it is, we call it comps, you know, you're comparing, is they go to eBay. Okay. And and they don't look at what someone is trying to sell it for because it hadn't sold. Exactly. Okay. You go to the previous sales, completed sales, and you can look at the dates and you can you can say okay, well this so this card just like mine sold yesterday, and one sold day before yesterday, and one sold three weeks ago, and you can pretty much tell what it sold for and you comp it out. That's about what you'll get for it. Yeah. And uh, now, if you bring them to me or a dealer, you know, there's two card shops in Jonesboro. There's one here in Paragol now. You know, pop, card shops have started popping back up again. Um we're not going to give you those prices
0: right sure because you got to make money we got to
1: make money on them it's like a car dealership that's exactly right so uh you know we're going we're going to give you a fair price but you know uh i can honestly tell you that we're probably going to give you more than we would have before covid because the the times have changed you know everything's more people know what they have so um but anyway yeah that's uh that's how you do it and you know on the cards and so.
0: That's good. I've got a autographed ticket stub from Mike Trout when he played Double A ball. That's Just, a cool piece. Yeah, you, need, I, you have it I framed? Have graded? No, I don't. Should
1: yes, I? I would have that graded. And I have it. It wouldn't be graded. It would be authenticated to make sure the autographs real. Okay. Let yeah. me let me speak a little bit about. Are we got to go anywhere?
0: Uh, I got to go get a haircut here shortly. But we've
1: been on that long. Let me talk a little bit, a little, little bit about autographs. Do not buy an autograph from anybody or anyone unless you've seen it signed with your own eyes or you are 100% it's your grandpa. Yeah, sure. Okay. Or it has been authenticated by some of the big boys like PSA, JSA, Beckett. You know, there's about three or four of them. Rest of them are all trash. Okay. And I'd tell them to their face, they're trash. I just watched a video. True story. I just watched a video. You can YouTube it just the other day. They hand-signed 50 autograph pictures of some different people. Fake. They sat down. This guy was really good. This real guy was really good on faking these autographs. Okay. I couldn't tell the difference. And then they went to this big card show and they went to these two guys that had a big sign up that guaranteed authenticity and all this mess and all this, and they all looked at them and they got them, they got them all approved. Oh, wow. And they were all fake. Mm. And they came back and one, one, the owner of the one booth apologized and gave the money back. Boy, what a black eye. Oh, yeah. But it, 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 it taught me one thing and it, it told me one thing. That's how many crooks we have out here. See, that's why I told you a minute ago, I didn't like the auth- authenticity route back years ago. I didn't believe in sending autographs. All of mine, I got myself. So why do sure. I need somebody to tell me it's real? Sure. Okay. But I have finally to sell. I finally had to you fall into it. that category yeah. because the guy in California don't know who Clifton oh, Garmouth no, is, yeah. but he wants to buy my autograph, but he wants it authenticated for it. He's going to give me a thousand dollars for it or whatever I'm asking for it. Okay. So I finally had to fall in that category. I just sent my first cards off to get slabbed for the first time ever last year. Mm. Last year. How long have I been doing this? Since 1968.
0: It's the world we're living in now.
1: Yeah. Because here's why. If something happens to me tomorrow um, and Lord Jesus decides it's time for me to come home, my son, Matthew, Sanja, they don't know anything about this. I've gave them all the details and the notes and told them what to do and who to call. Okay. But I don't want them getting ripped off. Mm-hmm. I got $500 on the back of this card. So Sanja's going to say, well, I might not get 500, but I'm not going to take 50.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I've tried to explain it to her and, and Matthew. And, uh, cause you know, I got a lot of stuff. I got autographed bats, jerseys. Baseballs, uh, cards, pictures, photos. Uh, you know, I brought uh, original original World Series programs. I have one whole wall, one big, huge wall that has nothing but the 1967 St. Louis Cardinals. Every player on the team. They're all autographed. They're all authenticated. 16 by 20 of Bob Gibson's in the center. I've got the two World Series programs. One from. Fenway Park, one from Bush Stadium. These are the originals. These are not reprints or recopies. I've got the original World Series uh, 67 pennant and the National League pennant. And then I've got all the starters on a single-signed baseball and their jerseys hanging.
0: It's incredible.
1: And everything's autographed, okay? That's just one wall. Uh, here's me, and this was in spring training in St. Petersburg, Florida. That's me and Kim Boyer. Who, who was one of my favorite players as a junior high student. They had a, up at the old middle school, they had a book in the library called The Hot Corner. Yeah. I checked it out every week. I'm the I'm the dude that wore it out. <laughs> That's incredible. And you know what? I found that book on eBay about six, seven, eight years ago. I, they're hard to find. And I found one. And I wanted it so bad, I paid $45 for it. It was, that, it was an old book. But it was in good condition. Still had the dust cover on it and everything. I thought, I want that book because I read that many a times. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then here, you know, I ran around with Danny Mantle, Mickey's youngest son. You know, he had four sons. And Danny and I ran around together back in the 80s doing shows. So I was around Mickey a little bit. And uh, I, that, that's one of my favorite. Hangs over my desk, you know. That's, that's, that's autographed to me. Wow. And uh, and then Mr. Musial did a private signing for me back in 1989.
0: It's wow. incredible the experience that you've been able to have. Yeah. From entering into this. And thanks, you know, thanks, Grandpa, for the three thousand.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I really don't think about it that way. It's just been opportunities that uh, I don't get giddy over people. You know what I'm saying? You know, some people for, get starstruck. No, no. Let me tell you, I was I when I had di- I had dinner. I was invited. There was like six of us. Uh, but when I had dinner with Joe DiMaggio, with these other guys that I was invited to this deal up in st louis i was so nervous my palms were dripping. <laughs> I, I mean it is nerve-wracking you know because um that dude uh, commands you sure, know man. attention yeah and you better not ask him you know when i brought bob gibson in uh son uh called me it was back in 1989 i think it was 88 or 89 I Wanted to know could they interview bob gibson I said, Yeah, y'all get here early. I'll let you interview him. I said, But the first one that's asking him a stupid question and ticks him off. I said, I'm not gonna be very happy because I'm paying him a lot of money to be here. Mm-hmm. And they you know, because Bob Gibson didn't like stupid questions. Right. And you could There's set a him, no nonsense Yeah, guy, yeah. You can set him off in a heartbeat. So have I got time to tell you about this story?
0: Yeah. Okay. I don't it.
1: want you to miss your haircut
0: now. As long, <laughs> as long
1: as I leave here in about ten minutes, I'm good. Well, oh, this won't take ten minutes. So you see this baseball? Yeah. Okay, so in nineteen seventy nine no 1981 i'm sorry i'm in the outfield playing one day in practice and i asked one of my teammates I, he was from st louis i said hey do you do you know where this address is in east st louis and he said yeah and i said do you think me and you could go down there saturday he said i'll go with you in the morning but i won't go at nighttime." time and I said, well, I don't want to go at nighttime. He said, who's down there? I said, uh, I found in my address book a man that's in the Hall of Fame by the name of James Cool Papa Bell, and he's still living, and I want to go get wow. an autograph. Well, you see these yellow cards right yes. here? These are called Hall of Fame. Fl- mm-hmm. You get these from Cooperstown Hall of Fame. These are called Hall of, Flame, uh, Hall of Fame plaque cards. Okay. I had one of these of Cool Papa Bell, but it was blank. It had not been signed. So I take it with me. We drive down. We get down there about 10, 10.30 that morning. We find his house. Got a mailbox out there it says James Bell on it. Got a chain link fence around this two story red brick house. We go up there and we knock on this old wooden door. And this little black lady, she ain't five foot tall. She comes to the door. She looks up at these two gigantic ball players, you know, and want to know could she help us. And and uh, I said, ma'am, I said my name's Clifton Garment. This is my friend Jeff. And I said I want to see if I could meet Mister Bell and get this autograph. <laughs> And in the background, I hear a man say, I got a gun. <laughs> I got a gun. I'll shoot your ass. <laughs> and I look at Jeff, and Jeff looks at me, and I'm like, wow, I didn't come down here to get shot. I just want to get this Hall of Fame plaque yeah, yeah. card. Sold. So she said, can I have it? And I said, yes, ma'am, and I gave it to her. She said, y'all stay right here. Well, I'll be right back. So she comes back a few minutes later. The reason I'm telling this because this is the only thing Sanjay wants to keep. She said, don't you ever sell that. When you're wow. gone, I want to keep that. That's she loves cool. this story. So anyway, um, she comes back and she said uh, she hands me one black sharpie at the top. James Cool Papa Bell. I have it at the house. And uh, uh, she said, uh, Mister Bell feels good about once a week, and he signs ten or twelve items. She said he had one of these in here signed on the table. Do you mind if I exchange it out? And I said, No, ma'am, that's fine. I said that identical to what I brought you, and that's fine. And about that time, I hear this man again say, I got a gun. And she said, just a minute. And she shut that big old heavy wooden door. And she come back. She said, y'all come in here. And I'm like, like I don't I know, know if I, so, I want. Yeah. Well, she she motioned for us to come in a second time. And Jeff and I walked in. And we walked in this foyer and this stairwell going back up over our heads. And we turned left into this living room. And this living room's painted that mint green. Mm-hmm. And there's a white fireplace. And I spotted about 25 autographed baseballs on top of that fireplace, and I immediately walked right to that fireplace and it was all those Negro League teams he played on, Kansas City Monarchs, Mm all-star teams, 27, 28, 29 signatures on every one of these team balls, his 1974 Hall of Fame bat hanging up there on the wall that they had presented to him, his Kansas City Monarch helmet that he had turned into a lampshade over in the corner, and I look over to my right, and there's a, a, a bed sheet pulled across here, and all I can see is his feet under a white sheet and an old wrought iron bed and i start making my way into that room and he's setting up with about five pillows underneath him with these black real thick black glasses and pointed glasses and i walk up to the foot of the bed and i look at him and i said mr bell i said we're not here to hurt you sir what's your name i said my name's cliff this is my friend jeff i said he goes uh where are y'all from? And I said, Well, I'm from Paragol, Arkansas, just from here in St. Louis. We play baseball right down the road, uh, at Missouri Baptist here in Creefcourt. Yeah, I know where that's how what position you play. I said, I, I, I can't I signed as a first baseman I, I play center field now. I said, Jeff and I both play in the outfield. He said, Okay. He said, Can you run? And we get to, you know, he gets to asking all these questions. After a few minutes he got comfortable. He said, Ma Bell, he's to pull these boys up a chair. Mm-hmm. And so I sat on his left and Jeff sat on his right. And I looked down there on that hardwood floor and there laid a gun. He wasn't kidding. Wow. Handgun. And, uh, we were there for five and a half hours and all he told us was about Negro league stories. I wished I'd had her tape recorder, but anyway, we got ready to leave. And he said, uh, Ma Bell, that's what he called her. He said, Ma Bell, he said, look up in that dresser drawer and, get a couple of baseballs and so she opens it up and i can hear them rolling around there's like five or six in there she pulls out two baseballs and this is one of them the other one had lou brock's signature on the sweet spot that miss bell handed to jeff and i looked down and said mr bell i said we can't take that baseball i said i knew lou brock's signature and i said lou brock signed that blue ball point pin on the sweet spot he said he said, young man, he said, I get all the baseballs I want from Brock. He said, I'm a guy that taught him I'd steal them bases. <laughs> wow. I said, You are? He said, Yeah. He said, And you ever heard how fast I was? I said, No, sir, I don't believe I have. He said, Listen. He said, I was they said I was so fast I could walk in a room, hit that light switch, and I could jump in that bed before the lights go off. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Is that right? He said, Oh yeah. He said, Now come over here and hold me up so I can sign in baseballs for wow. you boys. And he signed that baseball right there, and I had it authenticated a few years ago, man, for man. for that purpose. And uh, yeah, Sanja uh, told me she said, "I don't care anything about anything you got in this room, except I don't, I want that baseball."
2: You said that's James Cool Papa Bell. James Cool Papa Bell, yeah, on uh, Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, which is in Kansas City. That's right. Amazing. That's right. The very first line says, "The fastest man
0: to ever play baseball." Yes, sir. There it is, man. What a cool story. Yeah. I'm glad you made time to tell that. That is incredible.
1: Yeah. Oh, I could tell you a whole bunch more, but you gotta go get a haircut. I
0: got to get my haircut. <laughs> gotta get my Easter haircut, man. Oh so man, we'll have to have you back on sometime before the baseball season's over and talk more. Yeah, about World
1: it. Series time. That'd be awesome. That'd so be so fantastic. So we didn't really get to talk about all these cards I laid out.
0: I know. There's so much more. That man. Babe
1: Ruth card, the Lou Brock rookie card. Uh, we've Pete. got.
0: We've man. got the pictures out. We, we got to do a video or something for that.
1: We really do, man.
0: We really do. So... It's been a a lot of fun to get to hang out with. You get to share some of these stories. We seriously need to have you back on. Like you know, we Bob Branch is uh, one of the ones. I love Mr. Bob. And we've had him on a couple of different times because he's just got so much information, so many stories. And it's like, man, like I know there's a lot more in there with you as well, with history and the and the cards. And the I've stories, actually the stories, told so. Jeff,
1: uh, his son, yeah. one of his sons, uh, Jeff and I graduated here. I've, I've actually it wasn't too long ago, probably a year or so ago, I told Jeff how much I thought of his dad. You know, most people don't take the time to recognize that or say that, you know, and I ran into Jeff one day and I said, man, I said, you just have no idea how much I think of your dad and Mr. Bob, you know, he, he's such a, uh, he is full of knowledge when it comes to the history of green County. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. And, Incredible. um, yeah, I could listen to him all day long. Yeah,
0: yeah, we'll have to have him back on again, too. So yeah. uh, I want to thank you for uh, coming on, hanging out, bringing in uh, the merchandise so we can look at it. And so I'm going to go get my haircut, but would love for you guys to uh, engage in the rapid-fire questions.
2: Okay.
1: Well, thank you for asking me.
2: All right, well, Clifton, uh, Jaron had to step out. Get his hair cut because he's got to look pretty for Easter. Yeah. And here at the church. So I'm going to take care of our rapid fire questions as we close out this wonderful podcast. It's been really fun to, to hear your stories, to see the cards, and got me wanting to go look at my cards that are probably worth a nickel each. But that's cool. It's a good memories to look at. Uh, hey, you
1: never know. Cards. You might find it, get in there and find you a hundred dollar yeah. one.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. So rapid fire questions What's the last show that you watched or book that you read? Show or movie or yeah, or, yeah. just or just TV sitcom. or Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I spend most of my time on me TV, so I'm going to say uh this morning I watched Leave It to Beaver while I to left Beaver. the house. It's a good old Sandlot. Leave It to Beaver. It's
2: a good time period. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I, I live right off of Seventh Street too, so I can imagine you talking about. Uh, oh, that. So you, live, you live, live right off Seventh now? Seventh and Court. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, okay, there was no grass
1: back in the day when I, when we grew up because we kept it all wore off.
2: <laughs> uh, what is your favorite band or maybe song?
1: Uh, Sidewalk Prophets is one of my favorite groups. Okay, yeah, I've uh, heard of them. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I love Sidewalk Prophets. Yeah.
2: Uh, um, you had a favorite when you were a kid?
1: Yeah, uh, high school, college, you know, those mm-hmm. years. Uh, I loved uh, – I actually had two of them. I love Sticks. I love Kansas. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: My son is in kindergarten, and on the way to school every day, uh-huh. he requires that we listen to ACDC Back in Black.
1: Every, I, I never could get into the the, the, the ACDC <laughs> stuff. I'm, some yeah. of my friends did, but yeah. I was more of a Boston, Sticks, yeah. Kansas, Leonard, Scanner, Kiss. Uh-huh. You know those wow. those guys. When I was in high school and college.
2: It's fun to find out who were KISS fans because Yeah. Peter Frampton. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, listen, we I we, we's KISS fans. Uh, there was me and three others that dressed up just like KISS. I think it was our junior year. Wow. Uh for a competition is during homecoming. Yeah. And Randy Aiden, uh, my friend Randy Aiden, who just recently passed away, uh, did a piano a live piano performance wow. and he's the one that won that's awesome yeah he he, beat oh, us. he was not in kiss. Yeah, uh, gotcha do what now he wasn't
2: in he wasn't in the kiss get no 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 he you were competing no, against not yeah him. we were competing against yeah. him
1: uh and he won and we we were all uh uh, uh lip-syncing you yeah. know we weren't you know yeah. we were acting like yeah you know yeah. but yeah. it looked real i mean <laughs> we did we practiced the whole week on yeah. it you know well,
2: we need photos of that yeah
1: uh what is your favorite meal Well, I've had to change my diet since Mm. my health issues last year, so, um, uh, boy, I do love barbecue, Mm. but I don't get to eat as much of it, but I'm going to have to say barbecue is my all-time favorite.
2: What, what aspect of barbecue? Pulled pork, ribs? Pulled pork. Pulled pork. I lo-
1: yeah, and I love Oinkies ribs. They, uh, I, I don't care. I hear people talk about ribs all the yeah. time, and I tell them, yeah. I said, if you ain't had no Oinkies ribs, yeah. you ain't had no ribs.
2: Listen, I, I lived in Kansas City for 12 years, and that is a barbecue town.
1: You know, I, I did some card shows in Kansas City in the past, and yeah. every time we go to Kansas City, we eat barbecue there. so good. They eat barbecue in Memphis, too. And
2: still, Oinkies is the best pulled pork I've ever had. Yeah, it's they're It's so good.
1: good. I hope Judy sends me a plug or something for yeah. doing this for her. yeah well, we're,
2: we're, we're planning our summer uh plan for the podcast and we're probably we're going to do like a food tour of the yeah. area restaurants we want to go to oinkies is one of them yeah
1: so. now you know i'm 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 telling you right now there's some other good barbecue around mm-hmm. here but i'm just telling you my favorite yep. you oh, know for sure my my favorite uh, is the ribs from oinkies yep. but yeah i'm a barbecue lover
2: yeah. yeah me too uh what is on your nightstand right now
1: Oh, my CPAP machine. (laughs) (laughs) You and and Jerry got that in common, I think. (laughs) Uh, And a bottle of water. (laughs) Awesome. Very good. Which I don't have to use very much anymore because this machine does a great job.
2: Good. Awesome. Uh, Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. So just regular moment of your life and you get a lot of joy in it.
1: Uh, When I get around... Some of my longtime friends, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, Jared mentioned Barry Davis. Yep. Uh, Kenny Davis from over in Memphis, I called him the other day. Scott Britt, you know, lives up at Hardy. Um, just some of the guys that I played ball with, went to school with, uh, hung out with. Uh, that that brings me joy. Yeah. Reminiscing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Something powerful about reminiscing. Yeah. Uh, what's one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now?
1: Uh, my salvation, mm. my salvation. Yeah. Um, I think of that every day, mm. uh, you know, that I'm not worthy of anything on this earth, mm-hmm. but, uh, Jesus came as, as one of us on this earth and gave his life for my sins. And it, it, when I think about that, I'm like, wow, you know, yeah. how, I, how much love can that be? Cause yeah. I can't, you know. Would I do it? No. Yeah. Would you? No. Yeah. yeah. So my salvation is yeah. the thing I'm most grateful for. I, I'm always thankful every morning, you yeah. know. So, yeah.
2: This episode will drop on Friday, which is Good Friday. So what an appropriate answer for Oh wow. Good Friday yeah. podcast That's cool. episode. So, well, Clifton, thank you very much for coming on and talking with us, for showing us your cards. It was amazing. Thank really, you. Really
1: fun. Yeah. Thank you very much. I, I loved it. Thank you very much. Yeah.
2: Awesome. And as Jared gets to say, as we close every episode, Clifton Garmouth has left the building. Clifton, thank you so much for coming on, uh, sharing your stories, and uh, with unexpectedly bringing so much of your memorabilia along with you, it was really awesome to look down and see Mickey Mantle cards, Babe Ruth cards, uh, for me as an Atlanta Braves fan, like Hank Aaron cards, and then to, to see some other memorabilia that you brought in with you. It was truly amazing. Uh, all I expected was some stories, but we got to literally hold a card in our hand that was worth a couple thousand dollars uh, by itself. And so, you know, if you have ever collected cards in your you know, childhood or even adulthood, um, hopefully this episode was very fascinating to you as it was for me. I know personally, I'm going to run over to one of the upcoming card shows, expos that he's doing at the Paragool Community Center. Uh, he's got one per month over the next several months uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m where you can go in and and see what people have to offer and uh, maybe even bring in some of your cards to see if they're worth anything. And so I'll be hitting that one up when it comes up in May and hopefully we'll see you guys there too. Thank you as always for listening to the Paragold Podcast. This is uh, our service to the Paragold community to highlight the amazing stories of the men and women who call Paragold Arkansas home uh, as we want to make sure people in the world know that this is truly a great place to live filled with amazing people and we have a lot more stories coming up soon so continue to listen Uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and uh, you know give us a five-star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify but most of all the best way you can share the word about our podcast about our stories that we're hearing here is talk about it with your family and your friends Um, we really do think that you are a fascinating person here in Paragould, Arkansas, and that's why we're sharing stories. So until next time.